Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, everybody, welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 122, and we are recording today for February the 17th, 2018. My name is Jack, and I'm going to help guide you through into back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. I want to ask you out there if you know anything about the um, Tech Podcast Network. I've been sending emails and messages off of their forums, uh, you know, trying to contact the Tech, the tech Podcast Network uh, to try to get these shows reestablished on there. Um, I listed it, but it will not list after I post it. So if anybody knows uh, if those guys are still around, um, you know, if they're okay, I mean, that's what I'm checking on here trying to figure out. What is their whereabouts? It's like, where's Waldo? But we're talking about where's the Tech Podcast Network crew. Um, you know, I send my podcast over there. They're listed, but they're not showing up in the list. Uh, they usually showed up at least the next day. And that was very rewarding to have it in there and to be a member of that. So so right now, I am not officially, I guess, a member of the Tech Podcast Network. But if you know where they're at, please let me know. Also, please check out the website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, please email me and you can reach me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and it's at technoman. This week, after going to a successful conference, uh, we were up in a conference in Hershey and I attended what was called the, the Tech Track, of course. Uh, There's also a teacher track, but on the technology track, I got a lot of great understanding, a lot of more, uh, a lot of more, ooh, that was terrible grammar, uh, a lot more uh, in-depth knowledge of technology. And, uh, you know, sometimes you go to a conference and it, it's just to uh, reiterate what we know, you know, what's already in our heads. And we just want to make sure that somebody else believes the way we believe. But I like going to a tech conference to dig in deeper of subjects that I already know about, but I want to learn more in depth about that subject. And when you do this, the one thing I can I can tell you when you go to any conference is walk in with an open mind. Almost walk in with a blank slated mind. In other words, what I'm talking about is walk in there thinking, I don't know anything about this subject and I want to learn everything this instructor has to tell me about. And that's a great way to approach it. Always make sure, and I hate seeing people sit in these classes, in these conferences, and they're not taking notes. Um, you know, because they're thinking about what they're going to be having for lunch that day, uh, where they may be going for dinner that night. I took notes on every single session. Um, I carry, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a big believer in, in digital note taking, and I carry an iPad into every single session. I open my uh, Evernote up. Everybody knows I'm a fan of Evernote. 
and I start typing notes and I keep those notes you know each each course each class that I go into I have a new note for so it's just a great way because I believe if you write it on paper chances are you're going to throw it away later uh, you're not going to refer back to it this way I can always refer back to my notes in Evernote and I'm sure it's the same way in OneNote um, which I'm trying to learn a little bit about OneNote and we'll talk about something interesting there towards the end of this podcast but with OneNote or with Evernote I can tag things so if I if I hear something about uh, switching or servers I can tag it and then I don't have to go back and try to remember exactly where that note was and if I'm having a trouble with a server maybe updates or you can have as many tags as you want I just search the tag and I can come upon all those notes in my Evernote very very great way to keep track of your notes is by using tags and like I said I'm pretty sure you can use those in Evernote and I'm not positive because I'm not and I'm not an Evernote user Um, that's going to be Probably, I don't know if that will change or not, but we're going to talk about that, like I said, at the end of this podcast where you have a few things to discuss. So the class that I did go into, they were talking about uh, DDoS, right, or denial of service attacks. Now, before you change the dial, before you stop the podcast, listen in because this denial of service attack is coming from inside of our network. You know, and the whole entire session was what do you do? How do you approach it when it's inside your network? And it can happen, folks. It absolutely, it's happened to me many of times. And uh, there's a remedy that kind of works, and we'll talk about that in a little while, that it kind of works. It's better than nothing, let's say that way. So often we do see denial of service attacks from the outside of our network. And we know this is usually like a ping attack towards your web server. Uh, If you have an FTP server, anything you have that an attacker can use a bunch of botnet computers, and I'm sure you know what botnet computers are, Uh, basically a computer that's been taken over by someone or some program where they have control over that computer to do things in the background that you don't know is happening um, in in the use of that computer and your your, maybe your home network, uh, your work network, whatever. But they use those botnet computers, and a lot of times they'll generate a, a ping attack. And what we're going to do is we are going to initiate an attack against an IP host, hoping to basically shut down uh, the services of that server because you're going to overload it with requests. If you do nothing else, I tell you what, you do kind of uh, take over their internet pipe or their internet line, and you start to slow their internet down to a trickle just because you're pounding them with a denial of service attack. So. And what happens during that time is your website will become unresponsive to outside visitors. So there's something to think about, right? Uh, your hosting servers are going to actually slow down. It's going to slow your site down. And in the end, it's going to slow your computer and your internet lines down. So the whole entire session that I went to was, can you have a denial of service attack on the inside? And if you work in education, we know that we have a lot of computers on the inside network. So can the students, I guess, basically attack the network? Sure they could. I'm sure they could do that. Have they ever done that? No, thankfully not. Um, We have very good students, um, and I haven't talked to a tech director in any school district where this has happened um, as far as the students all getting together and launching an attack on the inside. 
But what happens on the inside a lot of times, um, us as tech directors, we tend to build our networks out. And I always tell everybody, and I'm sure I've mentioned on the show before, that a network is a living, breathing thing. And, you know, not technically living and breathing, but it, it has a pulse. And the pulse happens to be the packets that's traveling through our data uh, centers or, or our switches. So the data packets themselves, as they travel through these switches and these networks, that is the pulse or the lifeblood of the network. Now, the other side of that living, breathing creature is, is us, right? Us, the technologists. We go in there. We run a cable, and I've done them, folks. I pulled the cable through the ceiling. Um, I pop, you know, an RJ45 end on it, and I plug her into the switch. Now, is that the correct way to do it? No, and I am getting a lot better, and I'm going in now, and I'm punching down jacks, putting the jacks into the rack, and then plugging a patch cable in and labeling the jack. That's very important. Not a lot of people want to label their jacks. So you go in as a consultant, you're doing some work for a company, and you walk in, and there's all these wires just coming out of the wall, and they're just plugged into the switch. They're not marked, and you have no way of knowing where they go. So if you have trouble in somebody's office and you're a consultant, you're walking in there, uh, let's say the very first day, the best tool to have in your in your box, in your toolbox, is a, a network tester. Or we like to carry around actually uh, a toner. It's T-O-N-E-R. And these have been around ever since the uh, the days of the phone guys putting the phones in your house. You know, the old dial-up phone lines. And a toner, I could put a tone on the line from the jack in the office where I know it's, you know, that jack. And I go back to the switch and I can tone the cables. And when I get a tone, I know that's the cable. Now, I like to make sure I, I recheck myself. Then what I do is I turn that same toner, make sure you buy a toner with it with a network tester on it. I take that and I turn it on test. And I'll click, you know, the remote piece in and make sure that that is the cable, that I have all the lines lit up and that I have eight uh, connected lines. So we know now that that is the cable. So the next thing, if they're coming out of the wall, you want to do is put a piece of tape on it or something to that effect and label it. All right, put some kind of label on it. The better way, if you're the consultant, you're walking in, and if the company has, in fact, has some money, uh, you know, sitting around in its um, technology uh, budget, if they have one, a lot of companies you're going to run into do not because they don't even know what to budget. Um, some are good, though. Some will put a couple thousand dollars in or just in case, you know, something happens. But ask them if you can buy a punch down block. Buy yourself a punch down uh, put it in their rack or whatever they have, or even if you have to put one on the wall, but then you can put the labels on it and start getting your network labeled. Now, why is this so important? It's very important, and we were told in this session, the first thing that you should do when you walk into a network, uh, you're new to the network, or even if you've been there, and remember, if, if the network's a living, breathing thing, you've built it, you've rebuilt it, and then you add it to that network because that's what happens. Um, I often say, and, and today we're looking at more and more wireless, I understand that, but I often say that many times when we go into into a network situation, um, we're not going to have less devices, right? There's there's companies out there, I used to work for a small doctor's office, and they called one day, they bought two new uh, networked laser printers. Well, they bought two new laser printers. They were ordering two new laser printers. They called me up and asked me what to buy. I looked it up. 
And I said, look, these are the ones to buy because I knew they were able to be put on the network. And, well, then they needed jacks. Uh, where they were replacing them didn't have any jacks, right? I mean, you're lucky enough if you have a power connector where people want to put this stuff. But to have a network jack or a drop, that's a whole other thing. So we have to add that to our network. But here's what happens, and here's what happens on an inside of a, of your network attack. Um, or we're not going to even call it really an attack. Let's refer to it at this point now because we know nobody's attacking us. It's just something that happened. We're going to call it a packet storm. So on this packet storm, most times when we put a drop in, I will never run one drop. I just have learned over the years. I've been doing this for almost 25 to 30 years. I never put one drop in. Always run two network cables and have two patches wherever they want this gear. And I can tell you in a doctor's office it's very important because a lot of times they're using those to print um, patient information. They'll pull that up on like PDFs and they'll print that. And maybe a, another nurse or a doctor may be printing a, a prescription. Um, they may print a script. That's going by the wayside now with digital scripting. Uh, a lot of times at the doctor's, and this, this may happen at your doctor's office that you visit, they actually take those scripts now and they just submit them. They'll say what pharmacy, you tell them, and boom, it, it's already there. It's sent down from their, you know, from their tablet or from their laptop, and that's really nice. But they do print out patient instructions. Um, they may print out you know, whatever they're printing out. There's, there's a lot of stuff printed in doctor's offices. So they may actually call you back and say, hey, you know what? We just bought another laser printer. That one was working so well. We bought the same model. And can you put it in the same place? This way I got two network jacks. I'm ready to roll. But let's say now what happens is next week or next month they call you. They bought a third one. It's a really busy doctor's office. It's really starting to churn in there, you know, so they're really starting to do more and more. And they say, hey, look, we just bought a third network printer. We want to put it right there in that same location. Well, you know you ran two network drops. So what do most of us do? Well, we could run two more network drops, but maybe they don't want to take that extra effort or pay that extra money for that service, even though you tell them that's the best bet. So the next thing we're going to do is go out. We're going to buy a little five-port unmanaged switch. Even though we know that we have a managed switch in our rack, Okay, we, we have some kind of managed switch, and, I, and from what I've been hearing, even Netgear now makes managed switches you can put uh, for, for a decent cost. And you put this in the rack. Now, so you put the five-port switch in, you're using three ports. Now, for whatever reason, they're going to go over there. One day, you're not going to be there. They're going to go over, and this happens a lot. It happened a lot in our education facility before I made some changes, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit of what changes I made to kind of um, get rid of the problem that I was having. So in the doctor's office, they decide that they're going to take and they're going to put a secretary over by these printers. When they do that, the laptop is wireless, so it's okay. She don't need a connection on that device. But they're going to put an IP phone over there. So they go over there, and they're going to hook up this IP phone. And if you've never used IP phones, most of the phones that I've ran into have a LAN, a LAN connection, and then they have a PC connection. So it's basically a, a small, I guess you could say a small switch inside uh, or a small looped circuit. Because what you do is you come out of the LAN, right, out of your network, into the phone, into the LAN jack, and the idea is you can take the other cable and plug it in your PC. 
Now, it's not the greatest. It is a 100 megabit connection, but it's probably better than, you know, if you have spotty wireless, it's, it's not a bad idea. Well, what they did was, let's say these this this nurse went over there and she goes, well, there's two cables. I guess if I plug both of these in, or maybe they think they both have to be plugged in. Maybe one's the dial tone and one's the lights on the phone. I don't know. Well, they plug them both into your five-port switch. Now you have, in essence, what we were just talking about. You now have a packet storm or a DDoS, a denial of service attack on your network. Because we know, and we used to have students do this, would go through, and if there was a patch cable hanging on the wall, they're like, oh, wonder why that patch cable is hanging on the wall, and they would take it and plug it in, even in an office. If you have multiple ports on the walls for your computers or for printers or anywhere you have two or more jacks, there's a possibility of those getting crossed one day. And if they cross, you are going to get a packet storm. So the gentleman that was there, uh, he was a, he was a pretty amazing guy. He was probably my age, maybe a little bit older than, than I am. And he set up just that scenario. He had a Cisco switch, a uh, Cisco managed switch, and then he plugged a five-port um, switch into that, unmanaged. And he put a loop on it, and then he plugged into his computer. And what we found was, you know, it was one of those I, – I came home and I told my wife. I said it was one of those aha moments. And she said, oh, you had an Oprah moment. Yes, I don't know if anybody's ever seen Oprah or remembered. Oprah used to have the aha moment. Well, it was an aha moment because he told us in which a lot of times you don't realize, even when you've been in this field for 25 or 30 years, you may not realize. And you guys out there, this might be one of your aha moments. If a computer is slowing down. It's been working fine yesterday, but they're working on an application on the computer, and uh, they notice that the application is getting sluggish. It's slow. It's not operating. What is our first thought? Our first go-to thought is download CCleaner or download um, one of these other you know, many, many, many free programs that we use to clean the computer because there must be spyware on it. There could be a virus on it. We have to get the computer cleaned. Um, I'm thinking CCleaner or Malwarebytes is two of the ones, primary ones we use now. But <laughs> he said no. He said the first thing you do, and, and this was that aha moment, is if you're on a Windows computer, right-click on the, on the taskbar on the bottom, open your task manager, and then click on the networking tab. Look at your networking and your CPU usage. Because the, the CPU usage, if we see a CPU usage running at 80, 85, 90%, we're going to think there's some kind of spiral and they're doing something that it shouldn't be doing. But if you also see your network and you're not doing anything on the computer, we're not browsing the web, checking email, make sure all that's closed, but you see that network maxing out at 90 to 95%, then there may just be a cross on your network. Uh, there may be a packet storm happening. And what happens is when there's a packet storm, as the gentleman explained it, and I asked him, I said, excuse me, and I had to raise my hand. I said, are you by any chance, do you live in the matrix? Because this guy just knew networks like nobody's business. He said that what happens is when that packet storm goes out, every network card on your on your network has to deal with those packets. 
So those packets are going out and it's hitting that network card and it doesn't know what to do with it. It's trying, it's trying its absolute best to do something with those, those packets, but it can't. At the same time, go to your switch, your managed switch that you can log into, and look at the CPU CJ. He showed us the Cisco switch that he was using was maxed – well, let's say it was at 95% CPU. The normal CPU – and this is also very important for any anybody out there doing networking and troubleshooting a network. We have to know what our baseline is on our networks, and I know it's a pain – but, you know, if you don't know if it's working right, how do you really know when it's working wrong? So what he did, he, he showed us, he got rid of, now granted this was a little test network he built, but he got rid of the packet storm. He unplugged the cable. That's how you get rid of it, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But what was neat was he showed us that the switch CPU usage went down to like 2%. When he started the packet storm back up, just with his computer on the network, that five-port switch and a 48-port Cisco managed switch, the CPU usage of that switch shut right back up to 95%. The same with the computer. When he unplugged the network cable on the computer, he showed us the networking on the computer dropped down to like 2%, and the CPU usage dropped down to maybe 9%. Uh, big, big drop from 95. And then he showed us the applications ran fine and everything worked again. So that was an aha moment. It doesn't always have to be a spyware or virus. It can be a networking issue that we might be dealing with. So just something else I always tell you to stick in that digital tool belt of yours and something to have ready in case you run into that. Uh, you might want to write that note down somewhere and say, hey, you know, this this might be something we need to deal with. So check, as I said, check the network card usage, uh, check your CPU usage, and go to your switches and check that out also. If it's a Cisco switch, he was showing us, and I've been looking on our uh, extreme gear. We have extreme switching at the school. There is a way you can see what each port is connected to, and I think he did an ARP command. But look and see if one port, and it actually showed port 14, because um, he crossed this, the managed switch at one time. 14 was crossed with like 18 he plugged into or whatever. It doesn't really matter the number. The five-port unmanaged switch is not going to show up. That's just going to be one port that it's plugged into, right? So that is not going to show up in the end there. But anyway, that's just a great way to troubleshoot that. Um, let's see. Now, know your switches too. Now, we talked about this, and did I tell you the first thing he said the first thing he said you need for this next step, this next step is a way to actually troubleshoot your network. And if this never happened to you, listen closely because it may and this may save you a ton of time. I've learned this myself over the years and I've built a really good reputation around being able to fix this situation because it's happened to me so many times because we're in schools. There's a couple ways you can uh, alleviate the problem. The first is, remember I told you about that phone with the nurse? Well, at the school, we had that same trouble two summers ago when I first took over the school district and worked in there. And what it was, we had a lot of teachers coming back. There's two cables hanging out of their phones because they wrap their phones up because the cleaning people come in in the summer and clean their room. They took their phone out of the cupboards, and they would call tech support to plug it in. 
but they wouldn't wait for tech support to plug in, right? Anybody can plug a, a, a you know a, an RJ45 jack in. Well, there was two cables on their phones. There's two patches on the wall. They plugged them both in. You know, within and the way the network was set up at that time, we're going to tell you a couple tricks here. But the way the network was set up at that time was, um, it's a very much flat network. And we talked about that I think before with having a flat network. Uh, maybe we didn't actually. Um, that's what my class is going to be um, in uh, Sandusky, Ohio for the Brainstorm 2018 is we're going to be talking about networks, layer 2 and layer 3 switching. But if you have a flat network, that packet storm, when they did that, started going you know, from their switch. All of our switches are connected with 10 gig fiber to the next switch, you know, to the main core switch. From the core switch, it started working its way back out the other switches. And next thing you know, you have a packet storm that's just like the perfect storm. The perfect storm, you know, when, when the, the, what was it, the cold is meeting the warm fronts and you have the perfect storm out in the ocean. This is the perfect storm in the network. It shuts everything down and it does it in a sequence. So if you get that very first phone call, let's say you're in a business and your marketing department calls and you know you have a switch there. And says, look, our computers are starting to act really weird. The internet's, I can't connect to anything. It's starting to get really bad down here. Get there immediately because I think you you found out exactly where it's at. You zeroed in on the issue. If you let that packet storm go through, sometimes you don't get that report. Many times we didn't. We didn't get a report until it hit. Um, it was happening in the elementary school, and we didn't get the report until it hit the high school. And by now, you're through our whole entire network of switches. So as it goes through the switches, the best number one thing you can have, and I think we talked about documentation before, create those network drawings. Get those network drawings done as soon as you can. And the reason I say that, make sure when you do a network drawing, just don't make a switch over here in your core here and say this switch connects to the core. No. Have the port numbers connects to. If we have 10 gig fiber, we know that our 10 gig fiber is on port 51 because that's a plug-in module on our switches. Port 51 on there, and it goes back. We know it goes back to our core switch. We'll have the port on the core switch where that's connected to. Because the best way you're going to tell when you walk in, your lights on your switches will be very erratic. I mean, it will look like they're having a seizure, and that's exactly how I teach my people. If that switch is lighting up and it's just flashing, like the old strobe lights did maybe when you were a kid or when I was a kid, we had strobe lights. I'm sure they still have those now. It will look like it's having a seizure. And if it does, it may not be that switch. It's easy, it's easy right away to say, that's the switch that's having the problem. No, because the packet storm went through the whole network. So the first thing we start doing is we go to our core switch and we start pulling our 10 gig fiber. Now, don't go in there and pull them all because it's not going to help you. Look on your network drawing and say, okay, this goes to the marketing department. Pull that fiber optic or that network cable that's going to their switch and wait. Wait a little bit and see if the core switch or whatever switch your, your main switch is, wait to see if the lights start to calm down. If they do, you just found – well, you, you – you didn't find it. I guess you isolated the network enough to know where it's at, right? It's somewhere in that marketing department. If it doesn't, that's okay. What we do if it doesn't, I leave that one out. 
that's okay because your network's down anyway I leave them disconnected the next thing I do is I take the next fiber line and I'll pull that I'll again wait and see if the storm goes away if not again I leave that one hanging out make sure you have those cables marked because you want to make sure they're back in the exact place that your network drawing says they should be that's important for the next time this happens do a systematic approach, go through each one and find out where those are plugged into. Once you get that packet storm where you're looking at your switches and everything's calming down, good. Then you finally found it. Plug the other ones back in and then wait another 10, 15 minutes. It, it, will, it will dissipate on its own. It will basically break itself down and you'll be absolutely fine. Call those different areas and say, hey, how's your network now? How's your connection? You know, ask them to do maybe a speed test on the internet to see how that's running. See if you got the network back up. Chances are you did. The next thing we have to do is we're going to go out now to the switch that we figure that we isolate as having the issue. Because when you go there, it should still be flashing. That switch should still be going crazy. Now the systematic approach is start pulling each cable, each network cable out of there because now you're going to isolate it down to the actual workstation because I've seen computers cause this issue sometimes there'll be a short in a network card something weird will happen inside the computer and you know you, you kind of hope that if that happens on the computer I mean you'll find it but if it happens in a computer even if it's on board we disable the onboard nick and just throw another network card in there and it's good to go but it does happen on the computer so go through systematic approach and find out where it's at once you find it plug your other cables in make sure the rest of those people well go plug your fiber back in we forgot that once and make sure those people are back up on your network once they're up on your network you're good to go and then you know go out work on that individual computer or make sure maybe somebody didn't plug one of those phones in two jacks um, that is the best possible way and that came from the, the man from the matrix um, and you know what like I said I've been doing this a long time and it's great that we can have role models right I guess we can always have a role model um, I've been a role model to a lot of students because they look at us like we know more than they know and it's always great. And I always tell everybody, there's always somebody out there that knows a little bit more than you know, or maybe a lot more than you know. And that's okay because that's how we continue to learn and grow. Um, this business that we're in of networking, computers, hardware, you know, uh, administration, it's not something that you have to know at all. And it's, you have to remember you can't ever get to that point in life where you're not going to learn more. I used to tell my techs. If you're in this business and you think you have your degree from your college and you know everything and you're not going to learn every day, then I don't want you working for me. That's just – that's an unacceptable person and I don't need you around me. I need people that want to learn every day, that want to come to me. Uh, even my, my partner now, um, when we first started working together, she said, look, when I go home from work, I'm a mom you know, because she has a daughter. She has a husband. She said, I, I got to go home. I do laundry. I cook. I clean. I said, that's wonderful. I said, but you got to make time to progress in your field. This is still our field. And you have to learn and be able to gain more knowledge. Now I get texts from her in the middle of the, you know, it'll be 8 o'clock at night. Look at this great thing I found on Google Apps. Look at this great thing I found on Microsoft Office. Uh, you know, that's what I want. That's the kind of people that I surround myself with. 
I want you thinking about technology and better ways to use it and better ways to learn, right? We need to learn more about technology. So how do we cure this? Is there a cure for all this? And we said, well, yeah, there probably is a cure for this. So I asked I asked Mr. Matrix. I said, so Mr. Matrix, how do, how do we cure this? He goes, oh, well, that's the part of this, this class that I wanted to share with everybody. It is called, simply called, I guess it's, there's a lot to it, but it's simply called Spanning Tree. S-P-A-N-N-I-N-G, tree, spanning tree. Make sure spanning tree is turned on on all of your switches. And he showed us a lot of the Cisco switches, and I don't know what kind of gear you have. So this is something that you're going to have to – as soon as I got back to the school, I logged into my extreme switches, and I started looking like, what can I do with spanning tree? Uh, because he showed us a ton of stuff on the Cisco. Um, you can have like air out times. You know, where if an error happens, it can actually uh, error that error, send an error message. Uh, it can notify him. He has all of his switches to notify him via text message um, if this happens. But what Spanning Tree allows it to do is if it takes two ports, and if those two ports are sending data back to itself, and there's a packet storm coming in to that switch, it will shut the port down. And if you've ever worked with managed switches, you know there's there's two states, right? There's either um, up or down. <clears throat> so, or, you know, one or zero, right? On or off. And that will protect your switch. So in that scenario of the five-port switch, once he turned that on, that one port it was coming in on, it's seen the packet storm coming in. Now, it didn't have two ports connected together. Only one port was showing packet storm coming in. So it took that one port, and it was able to shut that port down so that packet storm didn't take care of the entire network. Again, something to think about, right? The spanning tree. All right, so today's podcast is running over uh, quite a bit here, but I got one more thing to talk to you about. And what this is, I don't know if you use Microsoft Office, and many of us do in business, we use Microsoft Office, and a lot of you may be using the um, business Skype or Skype for business. And I just found this information out just the other night. I was just going through some news feeds, again, learning all the time. And I was reading some stuff, and a, a thing came up that said Microsoft is um, disbanding. It's going to ban or, or get rid of Skype for business. And what they're replacing it with, and if you haven't looked at this, if you're if you have an Office 365 business account, you'll see it in there. It's called Teams, T-E-A-M-S. And playing around with that, immediately I started looking at it saying, wait, wait, we use Skype every day as our communication tool. Um, either we can chat to our team members and we can um, you know drop them a quick chat request. Uh, we Skype them for meetings. We have Skype calls for meetings with you know with audio and video. Am I not going to have that anymore? I was panicking. I'm like, wait, we use this all the time. Well, Teams is has all the Skype features built into it, so you're not going to lose it. It's a lot easier to initiate meetings. I think that's a hundred percent better. You can initiate meetings with it. Um, you can schedule appointments, so we can schedule appointments. It also even has file sharing built into it. So if you have a team member, you have all your members listed in your contact list. Basically, it looks a little like that part of it looks like Skype. I can click on like your name uh, if you're listening to this or watching this video uh, on YouTube at 
42 Technoman on YouTube if you're watching the video. But and maybe I should do maybe next next week I'll actually do a little demo and we'll, I'll show you around it a little bit and, and what it looks like. But you actually get a list, a contact list. You can click on a person's name. You can actually share files with those. You can build a group, and in that group you can have files shared with those groups. Now, the only problem with Microsoft and Microsoft Business, if you use it, uh, or if you use Office 365, you know, the one big thing I see with Office 365, they make a lot of the tools that overlap their self. And to me, that's a problem. It, it, and I guess it's getting better, though, because Teams is, Teams is like, man, Teams is like your calendar, your contacts, your file sharing, um, yeah, you know, the Skype for Business is built in there. On steroids, so it took like four, like different four or five programs. But wonder now if you're using SharePoint. I love SharePoint. I think SharePoint is is a great thing to have. You know, years ago when they wanted to set up on your own server, I wouldn't I wouldn't hear about it because it's a lot of work to set up set up a SharePoint server and get those file stores built. And I didn't want to do that. But now it's online on Office 365. It's amazing. Um, you know, and your email is in there, you know, in Office 365, your Outlook's there. You can jump on that. But the problem is with a lot of their tools is there's so many of them. I mean, they have stuff in there called Path. Like, what's that for? And um, all these different tools. And I don't know if they're – I think it's kind of like – well, I kind of – let me go back for one second. I do believe it's kind of like um, they're they're setting all these tools up and you kind of pick and choose. But Microsoft, what you need to do when you're allowing us to pick and choose what tools we want, let us pay for the tools we want to use, right? Don't charge us $150 a year for that business package and say, here's all the tools. You're getting to be like TV, right? We pay for all these channels on TV, but we don't watch them all. Let us pick and choose. Like the uh, the new Slingbox is doing, I heard, is you can go in there and you pick what you, know, what you want to watch. And you can just watch those particular channels. And I think... Uh, my partner at work was talking about there's another service she's using. I don't know if it's YouTube TV or something, but you can pick the channels you want. Only pay for your content you need. So Microsoft, think about that. I, I'm glad you're building all these tools. And I think they're a wonderful set of tools. Um, in education, i got to be honest with you, we're a Google shop. Uh, we do everything uh, pretty much with G Suite. It's very easy for us to manage our Chromebooks with that. But in the business world, I do realize, I recognize, and I and, and I tell everyone that Microsoft Office is in the business. Education is Google. I don't know how that happened, but it does all the Google stuff. But business primarily is because it's probably because it's ran by older people like us, or wait, more mature people like us, and we kind of grew up with the Office packages. So that's probably probably why we use Office. I don't know. Microsoft, great tools. You know, 100% kudos to you. It's a wonderful package. The downside to the whole thing is there's too much in there. Um, now, with Teams, you're doing a great job because you're pulling together four tools and giving it to me in one package. Maybe if you can also put my email client in there, maybe that would actually help me out. I don't know. But, you know, who knows how's that going to – how's who knows how's that going to – who knows how that is going to work out. But Microsoft, you're doing a good job. Hey, if nobody played with Teams before, get in there, start using it with your team. Uh, a big thing about you know our business is we are spread out all over the place, and you know not just in the school, but even with other schools. And it's great that we build these groups and these teams together 
and now we have a great place to do it. There is a desktop application for Windows and Macs, as well as iOS and Android um, parts of the program. So anything I tell you about the iOS app, like I said, I'm going to show you more next week. So next week, this is going to be a show and tell. They'll be more into video. I told you some of these videos are going to have some um, related topics to it that I'm going to show you. I'm going to demo it. And with that, the um, – so just telling you, oh, the iOS app that I have, I found you can't create new groups in there. The only way you create groups of people, like if you have finance, if you have like uh, marketing, um, you know, um, CEO would maybe have everybody in his group. So if you create those groups, you have to do it on the on the desktop client or on the web client. So there you have it. All right, so that is it in a nutshell. I think I gave you a lot today. I'm sorry if I rambled on or rattled on. Hopefully you picked up something out of today's show. Um, you know, something maybe you got that aha moment and uh, you're like, wow, okay, I need to check check your switches and see if it has spanning tree turned on. It can save you a ton of headaches. Um, if you've never had a cross network like that. I've had them, and I wish I would have filmed it because um, the first thing everybody wants to do is go frantic. The first thing everybody wants to do is let's reboot the switches. Yeah, you can. It's coming back. <laughs> you know, if you short out a switch, if you short out a plug in your house, you know, don't try this at home. But if you took a wire and stuck it between two plugs in your house and it goes and it shocks and it blows your breaker out, well, if you leave it in there, every time you turn that breaker on, it's going to blow again because that's the way a short circuit works. So even if you reboot your switch, it's coming back. It may clear it for like a second, but it's coming back. So find out where that is and fix it. Or turn on spanning tree, and that will at least help you to alleviate it a little bit. Um, folks, remember that Amazon link. Uh, a lot of you are using it. I do appreciate it. Um, you know, we're not becoming millionaires on it by any means. Um, you know, and we basically podcast for, you know, we do this for free. We don't do this for any recognition outside of me maybe helping you a little bit along the lines of uh, you know, network administration or whatever you're doing uh, on your networks and your servers. That's why we do it, just to maybe, um, what they call that, pay it forward. And that's what I like to do is pay it forward. Plus, it helps me. It gets all this stuff and it puts it back in my mind. It helps me refresh myself. But if you use that Amazon link, go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Anything you buy from Amazon, click on my link first. And then a couple pennies from the sale come back to the show, and that definitely, definitely helps out. You do have to shut your ad blocker off. I did start a Patreon campaign. Again, that's just something for people to donate. So far, I've made um, $0, uh, so that's good to know. Um, because when you make $0 on Patreon, guess what? You can claim $0 on your taxes as income. Um, because I didn't make anything. But if you'd like to donate to the show, you can go over to that Patreon campaign and you will find it in the show notes. There's a link there, I'm sure. I'll have it in there so you can click on that. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the show. I will talk to you next week, right here, same time, same channel, at Tips from the Server Room. Bye-bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. 
We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>